There is no secret formula for better customer service. But there is the all-new service hub from HubSpot, bringing service and support together in one powerful platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible and free up a rep's time with an AI-powered help desk. Also, you can easily support and grow your customer base. Secrets out, everybody. Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. It's Wednesday, February 14th. I'm John Weigel, keeping it zesty with Drea Hudson, and this is the Hustle Daily Show. One of the biggest love affairs going this year is between brands and their customers. And a brand that we're hyper fixating on today is Kith, which produced a Valentine's Day collaboration that many brands could really learn from. Drea Hudson, manager of audience development here at HubSpot Media, is joining us to talk all about the importance of collaborations and audience growth. We'll chat about all that in a bit, but first, let's give you the hits and headlines today across business and tech. Starting us off in Europe, the EU will not make Apple integrate iMessage with competitors nor place restrictions on Microsoft's Bing or advertising service, determining they don't qualify as, quote, core platform services under the Digital Markets Act. Next, over to Paramount. Paramount Global is laying off about 800 U.S.-based employees, which is about 3% of its global workforce. This news comes after the network scored a record-setting 123.4 million viewers at the Super Bowl last Sunday. Moving over to golf, Tiger Woods, now free from his 27-year partnership with Nike, is launching an apparel brand with TaylorMade called Sunday Red. Launching May 1st, it'll include women and children's clothes and shoes. To the games industry, Hasbro has made about $90 million off Larian Studios' Baldur's Gate 3 since it debuted in August. The hit video game is part of the Dungeons & Dragons universe, which Hasbro acquired with Wizards of the Coast in 1999. That investment has really paid off. And finally, Jazzwares, the company that owns the toy brand Squishmallows, is suing Build-A-Bear for copying its plush toys. The suit alleges that Build-A-Bear's scooshers are knockoffs that look a bit too familiar. And with that, on to our main story of the day. As mentioned up top, our story today spotlights Kith's Valentine's Day campaign and what brands DTC and B2B alike can learn from it. Drea Hudson, Manager of Audience Development here at HubSpot Media, is here to dive into all this and much more. So let's get into it. Welcome, Drea. How are you doing today? John, what is up, my dude? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's so exciting. Just sidebar to have you on today. Uh, This is actually the first time we've met face-to-face doing this podcast. Thank you so much for the invite. This is going to be a blast. Yeah. I mentioned a little bit about it up top, but this Kith Valentine's Day campaign is something that we're really going to be zeroing in on today. What, in your perspective, has kind of made this campaign specifically so impactful and what are some elements of it that you think would resonate with other brands out there? Yeah, for sure. So for some of the listeners who aren't familiar, Kith is a brand that was started by Ronnie Feig in 2011, and he describes the brand as operating on two planes. So a multifunctional lifestyle brand for men, women and kids, as well as a progressive retail establishment. 
the campaign that he actually put out last week was really to announce a few different things. It was less about announcing Valentine's Day and more about really letting people know that there was another annual collaboration with Venus C. Floor. Mm -hmm. He was dropping a new spring collection. And crazy enough, he's starting Kith Records. I really was very impressed with how seamlessly Ronnie's team was able to actually hit all of these initiatives within like a few days of a campaign. Because I think brands sometimes have a challenge with that. Oftentimes, I find that brands have a hard time communicating multiple messages at the same time. Usually it's everybody kind of leaning on one specific message. But here, as you mentioned, there's a couple different things they wanted to get across. The thing that I'm probably most excited for is the Kith Records deal, because branching into music just seems so seamless for a brand like them. (laughs) Do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So as I was kind of diving a little bit deeper into the campaign last week, you could read in the caption that, yes, they were announcing their spring 2024 collection, in addition to announcing the fact that they're releasing this first track fresh out of the plastic with Kith Records. Mm-hmm. Now, that to me was a brilliant move. I've not seen a retail brand do that before, kind of bringing all of those elements together. So you've got the Venus of Flora collaboration, which is that flower drop mm-hmm. they do every year. You see the flowers actually featured in the set of the creative asset, which is the video for the song. Wow. Then you have Cameron rapping the song and he's actually wearing the full collection. So, I mean, thinking about what they might be able to do with their own label is like an unbelievable opportunity for the culture. Oh, yeah. And like talking about love affairs, like you mentioned the outfit that he was wearing as well during. I feel like Kith is so synonymous with streetwear and it's kind of had these campaigns with multiple people that have influenced the style from people like Jerry Seinfeld even. (laughs) So (laughs) Yes, that was one of the best. Like, I feel like that was such a classic, iconic drop. Like it was so great. Nothing says Queens more than that. Right, That was awesome. I thought it was a meme at first. <laughs> I, I saw it on my Instagram feed and I was like, oh, good meme. And I clicked it and it was the Kith official page. And I was like, wow, honestly, great marketing. <laughs> so good. So it, it seems like Kith has this really good connection with its audience, with the people that it sells to, with its consumers, of course. So what do you think makes them so popular in their space? And what do you think makes them generate all this brand affinity from their consumers? One of the things that I think Kith does differently than a lot of other brands do is the way they choose to collaborate with brands across different industries. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Kith has done collaborations with everyone from Marvel to BMW to HBO and the list like goes on and on. So to have that sort of breadth and that sort of reach, I think one of the things that really sets them apart is they're constantly addressing new audiences. Mm-hmm. They don't stay focused on the people who are already purchasing from them. I mean, they've expanded to 17 brick and mortars from New York to Tokyo. They're opening different verticals. Ronnie Feig is now the creative director of the New York Knicks. So you start to see a little bit of sports going in there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point we see Kith open even more more verticals across like auto sport. It could definitely end up being some sort of like rock nation style Mm -hmm. label with the moves like this. 
And, you know, I feel like a lot of other brands would be very, very reluctant to do something like this and to kind of occupy all these spaces because, I mean, number one, it's a really good way to stretch the brand too thin in some cases. Totally. Do you think that there are some things here that other brands could learn from and pick up on and use to kind of build this love affair with their own consumers? Definitely. So I always recommend that brands aren't afraid to fall in love with adjacent industries, right? Like what this campaign teaches other brands is that to maintain your position in a challenging market, you need to innovate, right? You have to innovate. You have to think outside of the box. There's no cookie cutter approach to building an audience and the tactics have to be agile. So no matter how good your playbook has been, your 2023 playbook is not really going to work in 2024. There will be a new version of that playbook required. It could be as simple as like making some minor tweaks or as advantageous as looking to other industries to innovate. But that's definitely a key lesson. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I think brands could take from this is to grow your audience. You kind of want to look to the places where your audience is. Is, but hasn't yet been reached, right? Like right. one of the collaborations that they did back for the fashion drop of 2023 was they had Logan Roy from Succession as the muse and the model for that collection. It was right around the time where the season finale was happening. You know, there's around 2.9 million people that tuned into that. And the fact that they were able to grab that licensing, bring in Logan Roy as the muse and introduce their brand to an entirely different audience or an audience that was maybe curious about them really kind of shows that you can look to adjacent industries to grow your audience. You have to think about where your audience is, but maybe you haven't reached them there yet. So you want to figure out how to meet them there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that was a great idea to kind of bridge the gap to a completely new area of people that maybe weren't exactly familiar with the brand before. And that's, again, I feel like another place that a lot of brands struggle in is to kind of bridge new gaps to new places in front of new people and new audiences who aren't really familiar with the brand at all. And how would you say that brands could do that? Like what kind of drives them to do that? And what are the things that they can do on the back end to kind of set themselves up for success there? So I usually think about like building audience. Um, I'm starting to think more about building audience now in my role at HubSpot as uh, audience development for distributed platforms. And I think audiences are built two different ways. I think an audience can be built by data, which is always going to be helpful, very informative. I know that seems cut and dry, but it's true, right? Like having a clear understanding of who your audience is, where they are currently engaging and what behaviors they exhibit to help craft your value proposition and distribution strategy is really, really important. The other piece is that I think a great audience can be built by inspiration. And what I mean by that is being inspired to grow an audience does not always come from a business need. Sometimes it can come from the innate desire to share a message or a product more broadly to build that connective tissue between your customer and what it is you are offering. I'm actually reading this book right now. I don't know if you've read it before, but it's called The Creative Act by Rick Rubin. Have you read it? Have you heard of it? No, I haven't, but I love Rick Rubin. Yeah, it is such a good book. Like I'm reading it kind of slowly because I don't want to be done reading it. But in that book, there is a quote that like resonated with me. He goes, in terms of priority, inspiration comes first, you come next and the audience comes last. Here, I mean, he's speaking specifically about like creatives and creators, which the book focuses on and how we're all creators at heart. But I found that to be really effective in the way that you think about audience. Mm -hmm. At least that's how I approach it. 
Yeah, right. Kind of like a, a do what you think is right and do where you think the brand should go and kind of find your audience in the aftermath, I guess. Don't try to cater to people. Just do it and take it where you think it needs to go. And then hopefully they'll come. Yeah. I think Rick Rubin's a great example. I, I love, <laughs> I actually watched an interview with him. I think the interviewer asked him something about like, oh, so like what DAW do you work in like to produce? And he was like, oh, I don't know anything about music. <laughs> I just sit it and just say things and then, and then that's yeah. my job. And I'm like, that's crazy. He is like, I'm basically here for the vibe. Like right. I'm here to right. like make sure that like the musician feels good. Right. And I think brands can kind of take a note from that as well. We're all customers, right? Like in some way, shape or form, we're all someone's customer. So I think it's important if you're in like the D2C or B2B space to keep that top of mind. You know, people have jobs as business owners, but to put the customer first, you have to make sure your value proposition is very clear for them. So there shouldn't be any question as to why the potential customer shouldn't need whatever you're offering. I mean, the business owner essentially should kind of take themselves out of the driver's seat and kind of imagine themselves as the customer, right? Like, what do they buy? Who do they buy it from? Why do they buy it? What do they share with their networks and their families and their friends? Like, what inspires them to actually take action? Yeah. And, you know, even going past Kith, has there been any other brands that you've seen do something similar or create some campaigns that you've been really impressed by and how they kind of engage the audience, build audience or grow the brand affinity? I will say that there have been quite a few brands that have really been disruptive in the space. I think New Balance has really been kind of taking an entirely new approach to the way that they design and collaborate and release products. I love it. I think Spotify is taking a really, really cool approach with how they actually serve the different types of customers that they have from podcasters to creators to active listeners. And I think even Timberland has been doing some really cool stuff. I know that Pharrell just did a collaboration with Timberland. So when you think about a brand like an LVMH, right, like knowing Louis Vuitton is one of their most profitable brands of the 75 brands that they have, and Pharrell being the creative director of LVMH, he's integrating creators like Tyshawn Jones, who's like skating through Paris during Fashion Week draped in Louis Vuitton, right? (laughs) Or like Jackson Wang featured as a brand ambassador also draped in Louis Vuitton. I think for like some actionable things that people listening might be able to kind of take away. When I think about the initial conversation about Kith, what I saw was primarily owned and earned distribution. They definitely use their own distribution channels, right? They're using their website, they're using email, they're using social, they've got that audience there. Then they got earned media from press like Complex, Vibe, and Revolt, which is more in the music space, talking about the Kith Records announcement. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's a Vogue article that's like talking about the highlights and the quality of the actual collection that's being sold. So you've got this really cool blend of like earned media that's telling the message for you and that also coalesces pretty perfectly with your own strategy, which I think is something that brands could take away today. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a 360 campaign doesn't exactly mean the same thing as it did 10 years ago. Right. There are just so many more avenues that you could go into, so many more stunts that you could pull or or things that you could do to get your brand name out there. So going into the rest of the year, because we got a lot of 2024 
left. <laughs> There's so much left. I know. Oh. <laughs> we just got here. But going forward in the rest of the year, is there anything you're excited to see from brands out there? Yeah. I mean, I really am continuing to look to what New Balance is doing, what Ame Leondor is doing. Both of those brands, to me, they have a grasp on the industry right now in a way that a lot of other consumer-facing brands do not. And then I think from kind of a day-to-day work perspective, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Spotify continues to help its clients or help its customers grow their audiences. Same goes for Apple. Same goes for kind of any of these like podcast players. Obviously, in the podcasting space, when we're thinking about growing our audiences, we're basically their clients. They're trying to figure out how to meet us where we are and help us. So I'm definitely looking forward to that for sure. That's awesome. And a great meta note to end the podcast of talking about the business of podcasts. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I had to sneak that in there. You know the vibe. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Dre. I really appreciate you being here today and hope to have you back on soon. Awesome. Thank you. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you, too. Peace. All right. And that'll do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in to the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Robert Hartwig, and our executive producer is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. If you're not subscribed, go get yourself signed up at thehustle.co slash email, and we will see you tomorrow. Hey, everybody, I got a great podcast to tell you about. It's called Truth, Lies, and Work, and it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. On this show, you can join husband and wife team Alan, Leanne Elliott as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. They actually just did an episode with John Smith, who is the manager and agent of famous Argentinian soccer player Diego Maradona. He talks about in this episode how he was able to manage the global superstar athlete celebrity that Maradona is and was. It's a great listen. You better get out there and check it out. And you can listen to Truth, Lies and Work wherever you get your podcasts.